I'm LeMay Higgs with Milfoss Ranch in Blanco, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, glad to be with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we are in Houston for the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. And as cattlemen made their way here to Texas over the past few days, they got some good news from USDA. The annual cattle inventory report came out this week, and it shows that the cattle herd is shrinking. And that should put cattle producers in a better market position. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show, along with more news from the Cattle Industry Convention here in Houston. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Corn is one of the principal crops for the Texas High Plains, but we may see a decline in acres in our region this year unless conditions suddenly get a lot better. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. USDA to invest $1 billion in rural community infrastructure across the nation, including projects in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. Soil moisture continues to be the most common topic in agriculture discussions. This is Dr. Shane McLellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cattle producers here at the Cattle Industry Convention in Houston this week kicked off the week with some positive news. USDA's latest cattle inventory report released Monday confirms what most were expecting. The U.S. cattle herd is shrinking. The official count stands at 91.9 million head, down 2% from a year ago. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum says the cattle inventory was actually smaller than most analysts were expecting. In terms of what the trade was expecting, it was lower than the range of industry analyst expectations for all cattle and calves, as well as all calves and heifers. Uh, Beef cow numbers were below the range of expectations for uh, industry analysts. Milk cow numbers were about at the low end of expectations, and calves were within the range. The 2021 calf crop in the United States was estimated at 35.1 million head. That's down 1% from the previous year's calf crop. Anytime you get the cattle industry together, the topic of sustainability is going to come up. John Butler is CEO of the Beef Marketing Group, which runs 16 feed yards in Kansas and Nebraska. He participated in a sustainability panel discussion here in Houston sponsored by Elenco Animal Health. Butler says he approaches the sustainability discussion from the standpoint of being a participant in an entire supply chain of beef. That means that we are definitely in the beef business 
but we count on other sectors to make it happen. And so we look at our role as how can we cultivate relationships and business opportunities with the entire supply chain to capitalize on added value that we can help create in the time that we have the cattle while they're in the feeding phase. So that's really the way we look at it, which might be a little bit differently, is that we don't look at ourselves necessarily as just cattle feeders, but a participant in a supply chain. Butler is participating in a new program developed by Elanco called Uplook, which helps him put an actual measuring stick on his feed yard's carbon footprint. What we did is we took the information system that they, a uh, product that they've already got called Benchmark, where they're collecting a lot of raw data from our feed yards and then regurgitating that and producing reports for us that we can use in management. And now then they've taken that data, which includes the feed that we feed, how we flake the corn, what ingredients go in there there, the weight of the cattle coming in, how much water the cattle consume, all of these kinds of uh, data points, and actually developing reports for us around things that are important in the sustainability space, like methane emission, for example. Butler says the Uplook program gives him the sustainability data points that he needs to improve the carbon footprint of his feed yards. Corn is one of the principal crops on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us we may see a decline in acres in that region this year. Without substantial precipitation between now and planting time, David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says local corn production could fall off this season. I'm thinking we're going to be something just below what we would consider normal. I'd say we may wind up with, instead of close to 700,000 acres, somewhere in the 600,000 range. The snow events we've had the past couple of weeks or so are appreciated, but Gibson says they're not sufficient to offset the damage done by deficit rainfall and other weather issues over the past six months. We had that one spell of 70 to 80 days without any measurable rain. We've had some real windy conditions and more heat than normal, and it's just really taking the moisture out of our soil this year, James, and we're going to have to have some pretty serious moisture to get our land back to where it should be as far as some subsoil moisture. On the economic side of the equation, Gibson says for those who do plant corn this year, profit margins will be under pressure, even with corn prices at levels seldom seen throughout history. Right now, we can look at December corn and potentially price in somewhere above $6 a bushel, depending on local basis that's there. If that price holds, normally that would be a real good position to be in and would look uh, very profitable. But of course, the current environment is not normal due to the escalation of input costs we talk about so often. So all in all, Gibson says it's shaping up to be a challenging year for corn farmers in our area. It's also an election year. And on another note, with the primaries coming up, Gibson urged farmers to get to know the candidates and make sure to vote. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is investing $1 billion in rural community infrastructure. Tom Nicoletti has the story. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, funding will increase access to health care, education, and public safety for the people living in rural towns across America. USDA Deputy Secretary Dr. Jewel Bronau said the $1 billion investment to build and improve critical community facilities in Texas, 47 other states, Puerto Rico, and Guam will spur community development and build sound infrastructure for people living in rural communities. Bronau said, quote, 
These loans and grants will help rural communities invest in facilities and services that are vital to all communities, such as health care facilities, schools, libraries, and first responder vehicles and equipment. He added that investing in essential services in rural America builds opportunity and prosperity for the people who call rural communities home. The Agriculture Deputy Secretary highlighted more than 700 projects that USDA is making in five programs that will fund essential community services to help rural America build back better, stronger, and more equitably than ever before. More than 100 types of projects are eligible for community facilities funding. Eligible applicants include municipalities, public bodies, nonprofit organizations, and federally recognized Native American tribes. Projects must be in rural areas with a population of 20,000 or less. Interested parties should contact their USDA Rural Development State Office for information about additional funding, application procedures, and eligibility. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This week's rains have been a welcome sight in central Texas, where Dr. Shane McClellan says soil moisture has been a top concern. The dry weather in Texas dominates ag discussions, and it really has for several months. The lack of moisture is uncommon for this time of year. The rains we expect to, to typically receive in October through December just never came. And when I look at the departure from normal rainfall in McLennan County for the last 180 days, we show in an amount of a, a negative 12 to a negative 4, depending on where you live in McLennan County. What concerns me the most is that over a long dry period, we have uh, just no rainfall over, over many months. The way to get out of a drought, of course, is just to get that first rain. But realistically, we need multiple rainfall events spread out over time to help us get over this past dry period that we're actually going through. We have received some moisture recently in McLennan County, but we will need more rain spread out over time and in some larger amounts to recover from the dry conditions. It's not uncommon in Central Texas for farmers to start planting corn the first week in February if soil temperatures are, are warm enough. And we will need some available topsoil moisture to germinate that seed. And we're going to need some deeper soil moisture later on in the growing season to sustain that crop. Small grains in Central Texas do show symptoms of drought and freeze damage. Much of the cold weather damage is due to the crops being so dry. In a, a wet soil, it will protect the plants from freezing as that moisture will serve as an insulator. These dry soil conditions, coupled with the cold temperatures, leave us with wheat and oats that have some uncommon cold weather damage. Our livestock pastures are offering little grazing for livestock due to the dry conditions. I've seen a lot of ryegrass that is in pastures. It's not recovering once it's grazed and much of it is showing signs of freeze and drought damage as well. Typically, like I said, that cold weather doesn't affect ryegrass. A wet freeze event is always better than a dry freeze event. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Volunteers are needed for the state's annual abandoned crab trap removal. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And CBD has been used for several years on dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. 
there's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. CBD has been used on dogs for several years. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at its current use. Dr. Robert Silver from the University of Tennessee indicated in DVM 360 that CBD is more absorbable given with food and seems to be safe if the recommended doses are followed and the product does not contain contaminants. Giving your pet any nutraceutical is always a concern with contaminants as there's very little testing required and these products are not regulated by the FDA like drugs since they are not drugs. There are some concerns also about interactions with other drugs and other herbs and no studies have been performed to determine this issue. CBD has been shown to increase the alkaline phosphatase levels in the blood due to enzyme induction in the liver. Symptoms of toxicity include vomiting, diarrhea, restlessness, slow or fast heart rate, rapid breathing, and pale gums and other mucous membranes. As far as efficacy, arthritis is treated with CBD and results are positive, although most studies used higher doses than recommended. The first study published actually measured the dog's gait on a plate and did not find any effect on decreasing arthritis. CBD has been used for epilepsy and is reported anecdotally to be effective, but was not effective in the majority of cases with treatment-resistant epilepsy. CBD has been used for anxiety and fear-based aggression and has been found to be somewhat effective. One study did show decreased aggression from anxiety and in many dogs improved behavior. CBD was shown to reduce growth of some cancer cells in the lab. There are still a lot of unknown facts about CBD in dogs, but studies are slowly being performed to answer these questions. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Volunteers are needed for the annual Texas Abandoned Crab Trap Removal. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. If you have any crab traps that are still in the water or tied to a dock along the Texas coast, you may want to remove them over the next two weeks. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will close Texas coastal waters to crabbing with wire mesh traps from Friday, February 18th to Sunday, February 27th for the 20th Annual Abandoned Crab Trap Removal Program. During that time, any crab traps left on the water will be considered abandoned and may be removed by volunteers. The Crab Trap Removal Program enlists volunteers to spend time on the water searching bays and shorelines for those abandoned crab traps. TPWD reports this is needed because crab traps foul shrimpers' nets, snag fishing lines, ghost fish, and create unsightly views. Volunteers are needed for the annual event. To facilitate coastwide volunteer efforts, several sites along the coast will have cleanup events from 8 a.m. to noon Saturday, February 19th. Registration with a partner organization like CCA Texas may be required. Volunteers can pick up free tarps, gloves, and additional information at TPWD Coastal Fisheries Field Stations. A list of crab trap drop-off sites is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. tpwd.texas.gov. 
www.texas.gov. Again, the abandoned crab trap removal will be held Friday, February 18th through Sunday, February 27th. Over the last 20 years, the effort has resulted in the removal of more than 40,000 derelict crab traps from Texas coastal waters. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a very positive week so far for the cattle market. So how did things wrap up on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher for much of the day Wednesday, perhaps due to Monday's report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture citing fewer cattle on feed across the nation. We're also seeing good demand for beef right now. February live cattle up 82 cents to 141.12. April live cattle up $1.52 to 146.90. The April live cattle contract hit a fresh contract high around midday Wednesday at 146.75. March feeder cattle up $3.17 to 166.87. April feeder cattle up $2.67 to 171.82. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to discuss the results of the sale down at Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers, Texas, with Riley Rhodes. Riley, how'd it turn out down there? Uh, it went real well, Larry. You ended up with a 2,182 head. Uh, market was uh, sure steady, probably, uh, I called it four to six better on some of the lightweight uh, grazing cattle, the front end of them. Uh, bigger cattle in Yardland sure sold steady to maybe a couple dollars higher as well. Uh, put some money on packer cows again. Uh, the uh, stocker cows we had sold well, so uh, had a good day all the way around. Uh, had some pretty decent pairs, bring from nine fifty up to fifteen seventy five. Uh, some bred cows from eight and a quarter up to twelve seventy five. High yielding packer cows seventy eight to eighty eight. Breakers seventy to seventy eight. Canners thirty four to sixty four. High yielding packer bulls ninety eight to one oh six. Uh, low to medium yielding bulls eighty two to ninety eight. Two to three weight choice steers one eighty four to two ten. Heifer mates 162 to 184. Three to four weight choice steers 180 to 212. Heifer mates 144 to 168. 
Four to five weight choice deers, 178 to 202. Heifer mates, 146 to 166. Five to six weight choice deers, 162 to 186. Heifer mates, 134 to 156. Six to seven weight choice deers, 140 to 156. Uh, heifer mates, 130 to 144. Seven to eight weight choice deers, 132 to 146. And the heifer mates, 120 to 130. Got along good. You know, some of the well, some of the crossbreds probably were uh, not any higher yesterday. We did have a pretty good string of some kind of rough beef master yearlings and uh, some of those cattle. About sold about the same as they had the last couple of weeks, but the front end of the cattle, uh, you know, looked like they were a little bit better. And like I said, the cows and everything were a little better. So had a real good day. Good. What do we expect for this next week? I think we'll kind of get back in around 1,000 head or so for next week. Tell everybody how to contact you. 361-786-2553 is the office. Uh, 361-813-6650 is the cell. Liveoaklivestock.com is the web. Riley, thank you. We're walking the pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're my neighbor. Neighbor, good day. Thank you, Larry. February lean hogs closed down 80 cents Wednesday to 87.35. April lean hogs closed $1.45 higher at 99.12. February class 3 milk up 22 cents to 20.35. March class 3 milk up 15 cents to 21.50. We saw a bit of a correction in the cotton markets on Wednesday. March cotton fell 100 points to 126.33. October cotton fell 9 points to 108. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is expected to release its weekly export report on Thursday, and I'm sure that will impact the market on Thursday. Corn opened Wednesday higher but fell around midday as the South American harvest gets underway. March corn down 12 and a quarter to 6.22 and a half. May corn down 11 and a half to 6.22 and a quarter. September corn down 7 to 5.83 and three quarters. March hard red wheat down 16 and three quarters to 7.69 and a half. May hard red wheat down 16 to 7.73 and a quarter. The South American soybean harvest is underway and the drought there appears to have been impacting the soybean markets in the U.S. a bit on Wednesday. March soybeans up 16 and three quarters to 15.45 and a quarter. March natural gas up 64 cents to 5.39. April natural gas up 39 cents to 4.96. March crude oil was up 11 cents at the close Wednesday to 88.31. April crude oil up 27 cents to 86.73. Now let's check our financial markets. The Dow up 227 points to 35,633. The S&P 500 up 42 points to 4,589. The Nasdaq up 71 points to 14,417. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you join us for our next show for the latest in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.